Welcome to the party, pals. I'm Phil Gawthorne, action movie screenwriter. And I'm Liam Billingham, movie podcaster. And together we host Die Hard on a Blank, a podcast from Sugar23 that explores the influence of Die Hard on action cinema. In each episode, we'll talk about one major action movie that was released after Die Hard. Now, some of these movies take place on a bus. On a boat. Or even a roadhouse. Uh, sure. The point is, these are action movies that couldn't exist without Die Hard, and its DNA is everywhere. Die Hard on a Blank is a celebration of action movies and a deep dive into the ways that Die Hard shaped the action genre. So if you're a casual fan or an action movie Die Hard. Ooh, very nice. Then Die Hard on a Blank is for you. Yes, you personally. Our first two episodes, which are all about the original 1988 masterpiece Die Hard, drop December 21st, because Die Hard is a Christmas movie, wherever you get your podcasts. Phil, do the line. Now we have a podcast. (laughs) Ho, ho, ho. Hello, everybody. It's Liam. Before we jump into this week's episode, please rate, review, and subscribe to the show. Any rates, reviews, and subscriptions will help us get more followers. If you have any Batman friends in your life, please recommend this season and tell them to check out our seasons on John Cassavetes and Philip Seymour Hoffman. And if you haven't, please do so now. Our theme music is by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. Our art is by Sean Mannion who directed Meme the Movie, now available on Amazon Prime, memethemovie.com, Uncle Sean on Twitter. Enjoy this episode. I'm Liam Billingham. Why Why the dramatic pause between Liam and Billingham? Because it just emphasizes I'm where I am. George Fergopoulos. And this is... A really slow beginning of the show. This is Uber Busters. <laughs> Whoa! I think we needed something dramatic for Christmas time is here. It is January like sixteenth. We are behind. It's but January sixteenth. This in the is present. a Batman Returns episode. But great Christmas movie. Yes. We're recording in the past. <gasps> Figure that out. Oh. You want to talk about the dislocation of, of temp, time and space due to media and and um, and like capitalism? Yeah. yeah. Whoa. Of course, like capitalism makes all all locations synchronous and yet also asynchronous. Think about it. Think Speaking about of it. Capitalism, late capitalism. How about this Max Shrek fellow? Oh, so what are we discussing today? Liam? We're discussing Batman Returns, the 1992 Two. film, the sequel to. 1989's Batman. Continuing our deep dive through the Batman canon. Through the Caped Crusader Chronicles. Ooh, uh, I like the alliteration there. Thank you. (laughs) Um, This film is directed by Tim Burton, as was the original, um, and and continues to star Michael Keaton in the role of Bruce Wayne slash Batman. Michael Goh as Alfred Pennyworth. Pat Hingle as Commissioner Gordon. And we have some new players in this film, including Ooh. Danny DeVito Plays as the Penguin. Oswald Cobblepot. Oswald, Oswald Cobblepot. Oswald. Might hear a heater, folks. Come on. It's Christmas time. Shh. Michelle Pfeiffer as Selena Kyle slash Catwoman. Catwoman. <laughs> and Christopher Walken as Max You Shrek. are a Catwoman. You 
I or a cat woman. I should have worked on my Christopher Walken before this. Being an alligator. Um, this movie is great. It is great. Should we do a very quick recap? Yeah, because we didn't do it for the Batman. We episode. did not. Uh, would you like to do the quick recap? Not really, but I'll try. I'll do it. Okay, Picking up, it. Uh, I'd say probably sometime after well, I think Batman. It's, I think it's eight months, three weeks, and two days. Oh, it's right. It's eight months, yeah. three weeks, and two days. Mm-hmm. Um, the city of Gotham seems to be uh, enjoying the beginnings of the Christmas season when um, out from the shadows, who should appear but a penguin and his cadre of evil penguin circus characters. Freaks. Circus freaks. who uh uh, attack the city during a, a tree lighting ceremony hosted by the mayor and by Max Shrek, wealthy capitalist about town, who uh, is planning a sort of a, a new power plant for the city of Gotham, which will actually suck energy, which is discovered by his meek assistant, Selena Kyle, who he tries mm-hmm. to murder. Uh, Selena then becomes Catwoman. Um, simultaneously, uh, the mayor's son is kidnapped at a, a, a another sort of a holiday event or press conference and saved by a puckish man named Ooh. Oswald Cobblepot who lives in the sewer, who is referred to as the Penguin Man and uh, uses this as a ploy engineered with Max Shrek to become a, uh, a mayoral candidate and mm-hmm. replace the mayor. Now, we haven't really mentioned so far... The Batman. Batman, because this is actually not a movie about Batman. But Bruce Wayne is back. He's broody as ever. Uh, Michael Keaton gives a, I would say, a smaller but no less no less committed performance as Bruce Wayne. And he um, suspects uh, from a, a certain point that Penguin might be a villain. And he tangles with Catwoman, um, with whom he has sort of a <laughs> psychosexual relationship, while simultaneously being sort of enchanted by Selina Kyle. Yep. Um, who has returned as Max Shrek's secretary. This all culminates in uh, the penguin who, who is humiliated. It culminates in his plan to take all of the firstborns from Gotham. And when that doesn't happen, all hell breaks loose. The film ends with uh, Penguin dead, Catwoman missing, Max Shrek gone, and uh, Bruce Wayne all alone on Christmas. Aww. Well, he has Alfred. He has Alfred. And he has a cat that he grabs from the street. And, and there adopts. might be another cat somewhere else. Dun, dun, dun. Um, this film, uh, so a couple things. It came on the heels of the success of the original Batman. Um, and it is a, a step forward budgetarily. I believe it's an $80 million compared like, to the original's $48 million dollar budget. Um, and it is. it shows. Uh, this is a, a bigger, more ambitious movie. The production design is off the fucking hook. Beautiful. Um the performances are amazing. Uh, I, I love. I think it's a. I think it, as you said. Well, I think you said it best. It's one of the few uh, sequels that is maybe better than the original. Yes, and I said in my previous episode that I'm not Tim, a huge Tim Burton fan, but you definitely could tell, and it works for the better that Tim Burton had more control, and this film is so much weirder and creepier now you mentioned and freakier than the first one. It's way freakier. It's a lot darker, and which is interesting because the first one's pretty dark. Um, is it a lot dark? I mean, it's darker in certain ways. I guess the infanticide makes it a little bit darker. The infanticide's pretty dark. But it's also, I think, weirder in more magical ways. So, like, for example, like the way in which Selena Kyle is, like, resurrected. So she falls out of this window. Right. And plummets what we think is to, to her death, and she's and all these cats come out of nowhere. These alley cats come out of nowhere and like bring her back to life. Right. So there's also like a bit more of a magical element to this one. You know what these two films? It's a Christmas miracle. 
You know what these two films have in common? That Batman? He's in the title, yeah. Batman and Batman Returns. Um, is that they're very, very concerned with origin stories. Yes. But they are not boring. Uh, so the film opens with, like, I'd say a five or six minute sequence where um, so we sort good. of see the cobblepot home and the cam- the camera sort of put. There's a lot of great Tim Burton, like, let me show you the, the environment with all of its gothic splendor in this film. And the first one we see is the cobblepots. Camera pushes in on their home to reveal Daddy Cobblepot, played by Paul Rubens. Paul Rubens. Um, who's I get teaming up with Tim Burton after, after Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Yeah, uh, who uh, whose wife gives birth to a freakish human being that eats their cat. Yeah, and the way they so they solve this problem is to dump the bassinet into the river. Shades of Moses. It's very biblical. Right. You also come back to that imagery later on, and the imagery of him floating into the caverns sewer, cavernous sewer below Gotham Citadel. 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 Gotham Citadel. Yeah. Uh, is what the opening credits play over, which I think is a nice juxtaposition from the first film. I'm glad we recorded both of these in the same day so we could talk about this because in the first film, you're sort of going through what feels like maybe the Batcave. It's eventually revealed to be the Batman logo, but this film seems to be bringing you into the Penguin's Lair and you just see a bassinet go down the river and it has a Moses, Moses, Moses. Moses. Moses feel. Yeah. Where's Marseille now? Uh, do you want to describe Catwoman's origin? Well, just briefly, also, I want to say what's also great about... No, I asked you to explain something. What's also great about the opening so, the opening sequence yes. is that it also plays immediately with this kind of almost like upstairs-downstairs dynamic. Oh, yeah. A lot of class rage in this A lot movie. of class rage and reminiscent of Parasites, where all, there's all this stuff that's going on like below the surface level of the city primarily through the eyes of the penguin character and what's going on above and how both of these kind of like places are both intimately related to one another and yet obviously radically different from one another. This film also expands on the theme of freaks. That's a big part of the first yeah. film. Like Tim Burton has definitely seen Todd Browning's film Freaks, which I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it's I've not. Up. Yeah. I heard um, it's rather disturbing. It's very disturbing, but it's also like been embraced by like communities of people who are differently abled or feel mm-hmm. ostracized from society um, because it, it doesn't shy away from kind of those things. Yeah. And, and um, you know, in a way, this might be a little more exploitative, but this is also a carniv- carnivalesque, carnivalesque is kind a of film. Um, so one thing also that's int- like the Penguin uses that term, I think maybe repeatedly, but also... Term? Well, at some point towards the end when he's fighting with Batman for the last time, he says something like, we're both freaks, but I don't wear a mask. Right, exactly. A lot of been wanting, a lot of mask talk in this film as well. Yeah, so it's interesting to think about the ways in which, again, like, Batman or Bruce Wayne is, and again, I, I part of me also hates using this term, but is like a freak, even though he looks like a normal person. But all of this, let's say, kind of internalized trauma that he has makes him the most, wear this mask and be this weirdo. The most traumatized person in the Batman films is the white heterosexual male. Of course, yeah. Yeah. my white heterosexual billionaire. Of course, yeah. Um, let's talk about the cast. Uh, let's talk about the performances real quick. Um, Michael Keaton's back. Let's let's do Michael Keaton last. Uh, Danny DeVito. Danny DeVito. Is, this is a legendary performance. It's amazing. Unbelievable. The makeup is amazing. He has flippers. They've made him look quite quite chubby. Um, he it, it's probably Danny DeVito hair with a wig and like a skull cap on. They're top, probably doing but, something. Yeah. Um, it doesn't really look like Danny DeVito, but is like unmistakably Danny DeVito. And I think it's worth saying that in 1992, Danny DeVito was a big movie star. Huh. It just was like oh, well, well known. He'd been in so twins. many things. Twins. Um, Throw Mama from the Train. Yeah. Cheers. 
He'd been on well, Taxi, you know, Taxi, yeah, Taxi. But he also was, he was on Episode Cheers. Who was he? Episode, taxi would have been the big thing. That's oh. true. Um, and he's just he just goes for it. Um, he was recently on uh, Mark Maron's podcast, and he talked about hours and hours of makeup and how that affected the performance because this is like a truly committed vision of a performance. Totally. Do you have a favorite penguin moment in the movie? Do I, have fav- I mean, when he eats the herring, that's kind of cool. When he eats the herring, I like the, my nose could be gushing blood. <laughs> and then he bites the guy's, <laughs> he nose, the guy's off. nose off. That and also how he's so fucking horny. He is fucking. All he the wants blue to do balls is- on this guy. Oof. The penguin wants to fuck. <laughs> penguin wants to fuck. I also told you while we were watching this, I'm pretty sure he's fucking some of those penguins. He might just, be having sex with those penguins. Yeah, yeah. But he has scenes like, for example, when he becomes uh, potential the may- the, potentially the mayor, where he's running for mayor, he really wants to uh, have sex with Jane, Ho- Jan- yeah. Jane Hooks from SNL, who plays one of his campaign managers. Um, he kind of loses it. He like pins a, a girl who like shows up and says he's a role model for like young people. Yeah. And, and then, he's very excited to pin a button on her blouse. There's a scene when Michelle Pfeiffer shows up as Catwoman and all he wants to do is she's on his bed and all she wants, he wants to do is get down. Yeah. I think though it, it feels a little provocative for us. It's blockbuster. Film. Yes. It's, it's definitely played for a laugh, but yes. you definitely, I think what's good about it also is that at moments you definitely get, a feel for what it must be like to be this like hideous, hideous looking individual. Correct. And obviously like the idea that you will never ever be touched in any sort of kind or right. comforting um, or meaningful way. Season two meta thing. Uh, in the first two seasons, you'd often say correct to me and it made me crazy because oh. it was very um, sort of pretentious and a little bit condescending. So I'm going to do it to you in season three. Please, please. Wait, what would I say? Correct. Correct. Yeah, you do do that. It's <laughs> awful. That is um, correct. But the other thing, also, fuck. I was afraid I was going to say. Penguin, let's talk about Michelle Pfeiffer. Balls, then. Let's talk fuck. about Michelle Pfeiffer. Um, so uh, George and I watched this film together, mm-hmm. and we definitely uh, would remark on a pretty regular basis uh, about the feelings that Michelle Pfeiffer stirred in us, 12? both when we were, you know, ten or eleven year old boys yeah. watching this film, but also now as a late thirty something year old adult men. She's um, she's a goddess. She's she's a goddess. Uh, She's amazing in this movie. Um, The way she flips the switch. Also, by the way, like total. This film is completely and utterly fantastical because yes, before she becomes, before she like transforms her origin story into Catwoman. You're going to talk about now. Well, no, I was going to be like how they like try to like downplay Michelle Pfeiffer's looks by yes. like giving her glasses and like like tussling her hair. I was like I was like, "Oh yeah, this woman looks is supposed to look like she's a normal looking well, woman." So there's a little bit of like um there's some there's some I would say they're I don't know if they're problematic, but they're problematic in the sense that they're sketched in a comic book way elements of this film. Um she's an assistant to Max Shrek played by Christopher Walken who we'll get to. She's girly girly. I I'd say that and that that's sort of the way that she's portrayed. She lives in an all pink apartment with a lot of stuffed animals. But she's supposed to be kind of like homely in the beginning she's, too, yeah she's supposed to be homely bit. it's like they put her hair up and put glasses on her and you're I not know. like oh michelle got michelle Fe- i almost said michelle goddess <laughs> michelle pfeiffer <laughs> like uh, uh just like one of the most incredibly beautiful woman in this movie like kind of just it doesn't um how would you even describe it it's like she's sort of just it's just very very silly and when yeah. she um when she becomes Catwoman, which happens when she's pushed out a window by her boss she's brought back to life by cats yeah Memories like the do, colors do, 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 of my mind. And I also shiny yeah. watercolor memories. I mean, we'll talk about it too, but like the of the ways we were, the, the degree to which this film has any sort of kind of feminist politics, it's really limiting. So once she becomes Catwoman, 
she uh, her for her the introduction of the character she beats the shit out of a guy who's tr- uh, attacks and it might might try to rape a woman mm-hmm. and she sort of is like oh I love it when they pick up pick up isn't it such a man thing to to pick up on a woman half her size like right. she and then but then she treats the woman equally bad but then as you pointed yeah. out she has a lot of like kind of lines about. Well, like, yeah, like whenever there are so many lines about her, again, being this like super yeah. femme woman. So like she breaks a nail, she breaks a quote unquote a nail. Yeah. Um, she makes like a joke about um, like when she abducts that one woman and she says like, oh, like, it's, like I just, we need to have some girl time or girl talk yeah. or something. So like a lot of like the one liners on her end, especially about are about her being like this, like super feminine, sexy woman. Right. And it, and it kind of undercuts any sort of because she is like a very powerful figure. Yes. She goes toe-to-toe with Batman. And it's also interesting to think about her as And being, the Penguin and Max Shrek. No, but I mean physically. Like she yes. fights him. And it's interesting to think about her as being like the first physical kind of um, equal that Batman has in these films. Because yes. he could beat the shit out of the Joker easily. And he beats the shit out of the Penguin. And he beats the shit and out of the Penguin something I like easily. about the movies but is that the, the, the big bosses are barely... This movie has a minimum of Batman beating the shit out of henchmen, which I feel like becomes a thing in later superhero movies where it's like, I gotta fight 50 henchmen before... It's like video game plotting. Yeah. I mean, I mean there's some of it, of it here, but it's very entertaining here. It is. There's like two or three sustained you, action sequences. What you were right great. about when you pointed out, and I was kind of like blown away by it, is that you only see him as Batman twice in the first hour. Yes. Which is fucking incredible so this is a good time to to talk uh so what well one thing i want to say very quickly is that one thing i think the movie sets up in terms of its gender politics early on is that selena kyle is uh is a is a woman who constantly is belittled and mansplained by her boss and it makes her desire to get revenge on him like very very sympathetic and i would say that one of the things about this movie that's really interesting is that the protagonist in this movie is not batman it is the penguin Correct. Because the Penguin and Catwoman have better character arcs, which I think now is a good time to start talking about Bruce Wayne, again, played by Michael Mm -hmm. Keaton, because Bruce Wayne has the same arc in this movie as he had in the first one. It's just a little more nuanced. What do you think that arc is? That arc? Well, again... Well, character character arc. So a character arc is when, at the beginning of Mm -hmm. a piece of art, uh, let's say a more traditional narrative... An arc is where you put animals, like two of a kind. An arc? Yeah, an arc. Noah had okay, one. Okay, so that's one thing, but well, there's... God's a word. Yeah, God, I build an arcade, arcade. I don't know the rest of that. Is that a Flanders song? It is. Flanders I thought it was a real song, though. I thought it was a real Jesus song. Well, I don't know. I'm not a Jesus guy. You don't have the Jesus Jesus CD? freaks <laughs> out in the street. Is that Ween? No, it's fucking Elton John. Oh, uh, I was going to say Bruce Springsteen. So, um, in the first the film... Batman can't quite commit to a relationship with Vicky Vale because and that of, comes up in this one, and, well. and, and which they talk, which she talks about with Selena Kyle, Catwoman. Um, in this film, he meets Selena. Um, what I do think is is that there is this sort of thing where he's like, I can't reconcile my Batman identity. Though in this film, he does re- make and make a, extend the offer to be with her. This film also struggles with the fact that, uh, like the first film, they go on one date and then suddenly it's a very serious relationship. Yeah. And the date they go on, they like make, they fool around on his couch and like. They don't even bone. Yeah, they don't. God, that term is rude. Sorry. They don't have sex. They don't make love. They don't make sweet, sweet, sweet boning. boning. <laughs> Jinx. Jinx. But no, you're right. There's, if there's a weakness in this film, yes. it's again how heteronormative it is in the sense that there has to be this romantic entanglement at the yeah, center of it. That he is resistant to because of his two identities, which he talks about is having wearing a mask. Correct. And she talks about it too. I think there are ways in which one can, let's say, 
play out those dynamics yes. about his struggle about being these two different people. Yes. But again, I think defaulting again and again to this like, oh, I love this person, but I can't be with them because I'm Batman. Yeah. Like, it's a trope well, that gets that's a huge a comic book trope, too. It is. Also yeah. worth noting that this was Michael Keaton's last film, and oh, he so is sad. largely marginalized in this movie um, because, quite frankly, as is almost always the case, like Hans Gruber is more interesting than John McClane. Um, Kylo Ren is more interesting. Than, no, he's not. But uh, Ray? Wh- whatever the arc is, the, 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 he's more interesting than Ray. At least in the third one. Ray, uh, what? Ray's the best character that's ever come out of that franchise. Get out of my face. Followed no. very closely by Kylo Ren. Greedo. <laughs> the thirty seconds of Greedo's on screen. He shot first and third. Um, but I think that the this film, uh, the Penguin, is much much more interesting than the Batman. And so is so, Catwoman. What is interesting about Penguin is Catwoman that, is that he's a kind of inversion of Batman. Tell as, me more as about well. that. Well, that they're both both him and Bruce Wayne are yes. orphans. They both come from And he Bruce Wayne has sympathy for him at the beginning. Yeah, and they both come obviously from wealth. Yes. But obviously they've been abandoned in different ways. Like so right. obviously Bruce Wayne still has his uh, wealth yep. and the penguin clearly does not and Bruce Wayne still has like his normal looks the penguin does not well so, the penguin never had looks he was born like a weird penguin that's man. what I mean yeah that, but I mean just in the sense that he eats a cat there are these in the movie. like easy it is de- not Taylor Swift easy demarcations Taylor Swift she's in the cats movie oh, pay right. fucking attention to the culture that looks like a nightmare fuel uh, yeah I, I'm curious I'm not gonna see it but I'm curious it looks, I mean, I'll definitely <gasps> share memories but yeah, and I mean, I think what's interesting about them is that they're both in some sort of way like headphones. freakish. Yes, they are freaks. They're freaks. One is a well, one is a wealthy industrialist capitalist who beats up uh, mentally handicapped people. I actually, don't know what Bruce Wayne does. He runs Wayne Enterprises. Yeah. He's an industrialist. What is Wayne? Enterprises doesn't do. matter. I mean, in in the the Nolan ones, in the, the Nolan ones, they make they make weapons. Yeah. yeah. Um. In this film, in this film, he seems he has a, actually has a business meeting with Max Shrek in this film, and it seems like Shrek wants investment. I like the idea that like Bruce Wayne was calling like all these congressmen. He's like, listen, we got to go to war in Iraq because I'm going to make millions if we do. It's like, do it. He's behind that. What? Yeah. Are you talking? I'm just saying. Uh, no, I think that actually it is a bit of a. I think that you know one thing this film does. These both of these films, Batman and Batman Begins, do very well is create an origin story for these characters. One thing that they do not do well is explore what Bruce Wayne's job is, which <laughs> much more cleanly and clearly done. Like there are scenes at Wayne Industries in um, the Dark the 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 Dark Knight films, meaning the Christopher Nolan films. I mean, what he does in those movies seems pretty repugnant, but whatever, he's doing it. Um, I do think that the third one has some pretty prominent, the Batman, the third one being Batman Forever in this franchise directed by Joel Schumacher because Edward Nygma is a Wayne Industries employee in that film. Yeah, I forgot about that, yeah. Mm-hmm. But there's no Lucius Fox in these films, so there's no connection to the... These films are more uh, fantastical um, and more sort of the vision of a... That are drawing a little bit, a little bit less from the comic book. This one in particular, yes. but that also reminded me too of the dichotomy that the film tries to develop. That there's a good way to be a capitalist, Bruce Wayne, and a bad way to be a capitalist, which is Max Shrek. Yeah, okay, let's talk about that. I mean, it's kind of very simple. That Max Shrek is kind of like the bad guy, like the bad billionaire, and Bruce Wayne's like the good billionaire. Are you suggesting there's no good way to be a capitalist? Correct. Okay, just wanted to be sure. Um, but there is a moment later in the film where. 
uh, Catwoman, Selena Kyle as Catwoman, uh, plans to murder Max Shrek. And Batman says, let's turn him over to the police. And she says something like, you know that, uh, that the, the law won't, the law will treat him differently the same way that it'll treat us differently. And he says, you're wrong on both accounts. And I got to, she's right. right. Of course. She's probably pretty right. Um, and that's, what's interesting about these films when they're reactionary is that when those kind of moments of truth rise to the surface, they're totally silenced. You're supposed to watch that. Well, to say that there's, that's, they're not silenced. It's just because he responds. It does not silence it in the film. It's a corrective to her. Okay. It's supposed to be. Right. You're right. I, it's true that every time anyone says a piece of dialogue, you forget immediately what someone oh, before God. them it, says. Here we go. Here no, we I just go. think that like, I'm, I listen, I agree with your point. Largely I mean, in the that, sense like, that she's wrong. He's wrong. But like, no, no, it's she, still present in the text of the film that we can watch on Amazon for $3. And she's this, she's, sympathetic in the film he's not ultimately the most sympathetic character um i'm more sympathetic to her there i said it but why are you not sympathetic to him well i am he's bruce wayne i love bruce right, wayne yeah. i so love him what is what happens in this film to not make you sympathetic to him yeah, he's a piece of shit no I, I don't know no i get it no of course but just because someone says something and someone says uh, diametrically opposed to it does not mean it's silenced i don't agree right, with silence that. might be the wrong well, word well then maybe it, use right words sorry I, I, Dad. I said corrective. Ooh. It's a corrective. You're meant to then yeah, right. be like, I'm on Bruce Wayne's side. There is justice in the world. Can we also, speaking of justice, can we talk about the biblical you justice? Want to talk about Batman Dawn of Justice? No, but the way fucking Batman just murders people in this film. Holy shit. More so explicitly than he does in the first yeah, one. Yeah, he just puts a bomb on a guy. He puts he a bomb on a guy? He spins the Batmobile around on a turn <laughs> and like flames a dude. How did you see that guy burn? Burn, baby, burn. What? And you and you see you see the um the pleasure in Batman's eyes. Yeah, you do. He's like this motherfucker's burning. Yeah, no, you're right. He, I don't know if you see. I do like that I see you the pleasure. sort of see. Cause you're you're staring like, yes, into his yes. eyes. Yeah, there's a little more fear. He's a little more. Uh, the character in general, you get more. The suit there seems to be fear. better built for reaction. And the first film, most of the time, you're like, what's? I can't see his face. In this film, you're like, oh, like he narrowly avoided those penguin missiles. All oh, the penguins. Those penguins. Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think that, I think that the film though, you know, one thing that came up that was interesting and we're going to compare this a lot to the Nolan films, but I think of, of the Batman films we're going to watch the Nolan Batmans and the Burton Batmans are the best. Correct. Um, and they also have a relationship. You fucking did I the keep correct. saying correct. God Sorry. damn it. Can you just say like, yeah, I agree. Does it have to be like <laughs> correct? Not correct. Um, Incorrect. Oh, uh, correct. Um, yes, I know. Um, and you fucking insulted me too. You said it once, and I just can't. One stop thing saying I it. love about is that uh, the the penguin wants to take down the uber rich. He kidnaps the wealthy, wealth that you're the wealthy firstborn, the firstborn of wealthy families. Again, very biblical. Um, Catwoman wants to kill the shitty capitalist who's poisoning poisoning the city, and Penguin actually uh, blackmails. Max Shrek in order to get him on his side in because he's a shitty guy who creates terrible things that hurt the city and um, owns a bunch of businesses. I love how one of the only storefronts you see in the film is Shrek stores. Yeah, and, and she blows it up. Or she blows um, but what I th- what I wanted to bring up about that is that the this film has the class resentment that Catwoman has in the third Batman film, uh, The Dark Knight Rises, right, the third yeah, yeah, Christopher yeah. Nolan Batman film. Um, but it's not so heavy-handed. And I think these films succeed, not that I don't like the Nolan films, but they have a much slighter touch. Well, you were Would saying... Would you agree? Yeah, I think you said in the previous episode that 
one way in which this manifests itself is that these films, the Burton ones, are yes. all done on sets. Yes. Whereas the Nolan ones are filmed on location. Yeah, like... F- uh, and you feel that. There's a certain kind of grittiness. Yes. And realism to the Nolan ones that you don't have in the Burton ones. That allows... Yeah. And, and it allows the Burton ones, I think, to do, again, these more, for lack of a better term, like comic booky Yes. Kind of things. Yes. Um, and it works magically well. And I think, for me personally... The the ways in which, if I remember them correctly, and I remember the third one correctly, that the Schumacher ones do not, is they lean way too heavily. They're campier. They're way campier. And they're queerer. And they're way more, they're, but they're also way more comic booky. Yes. And well, I'd take issue with that term. Well, they're far less. They're not as dark as the Burton. Well, ones. I think that we. Uh, so, and this is only something that's occurred to me now. But I don't think we should say comic booky because comic books. It's a little bit of like a oh saying. But well, so so sure. let me offer this as an alternative. The, not the Comic later, the later. So there's four films in this specific Batman franchise. There's Batman, Batman Returns, Batman and Batman Forever, and Batman and Robin. The first two films, Batman and Batman Returns, sort of uh, somewhere uh, have a sort of exist on the line between campy and like not gritty, but definitely like rooted in like reality. The third and fourth feel much closer to the 1960s, com- like a yeah. very exaggerated version of the 1960s, which is like yeah. probably the most well-known, uh, like is very well-known. We don't know much about the 1940s Batman serial, 1950s. Like those are probably less well-known in the culture. But I think that the easiest comparison of the later, uh, the, the this franchise Batman films are is the, the campy 1960s show, which is more like s- s- serialized plot of the week, uh, it's kind of unclear, like the the sort of nefarious plans in those films are totally absurd. Whereas, like in these two films, it's really do- pretty dark. They like, are he wants to yeah, kill the first one. He wants sons. to kill those kids. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot. And Catwoman has like a very straightforward like revenge kind of. The other plot. thing that this film has that the the following two don't is, uh, for lack of a better term, is uh, the way it plays with the sort of sadomasochistic psychosexual relationship between Catwoman and Batman, yeah, where yeah. they want to fight, but they also want to. They do. <laughs> and. Um, Can you blame them? They're both really attractive people. Uh, I mean, Michelle Pfeiffer's height, a little cuter. The height of their. But, you know, Michael prowess. Keaton has that je ne sais quoi. He does. Um, but yeah, I think that that's one thing that these films have is that it's, they're a little more adult. This feels like a harder PG 13 than the first one, which is a pretty hard PG 13. I don't think that... I mean, Batman, again, trapping dynamite on somebody is pretty fucking dark. But then, The Dark Knight, the fact that The Dark Knight is PG-13, I think in some ways is crazy. Again, I have to go back and watch. I think I think I only watched that film once, actually. Are you serious? Yeah. And you fucking have opinions? You're always like, oh, the Batman is... You've only seen it one time? That, that impression was so fucking I've eerily just like me. I saw it four times me, in the theater. By the way. It's not exactly. Four, four times. times? Yeah. Best Batman movie ever. Best Batman ever. I should only watch it three more times um, today. What else to say? Like, shit. I mean, what else is there? Those penguins are so Those, fucking cute. Their penguins are real cute. And, um, the, and the penguin Viking funeral, too. I think this film is a more, um, let's say, auteur vision of Batman than the last film. I think uh, yeah, they gave, uh, what's his face? Burton. Tim Burton more keys to the kitchen okay in in fairness this is our third episode we've recorded today keys so to the kitchen. Keys, to, keys to the kingdom yeah and um he gets away with a lot more and it's disappointing that he didn't come back i for know a third for film. a third one yeah um 
What did I want to say? Something about that. Do you want to talk any more about the class stuff? Uh, there was something you said. I wanted to talk about the creepiness. Oh, the psychosexual thing. So what? One of the powerful scenes, also, and I, I feel like I, I wanted the film to play with uh, with this a little bit more. It does. Yes. It does. But the idea of whether or not when they're not wearing masks, they are wearing masks still. So one of the oh, best yes. scenes is that scene. So Batman and Catwoman have a fight on those on the rooftops, and they both wound one another. She stabs him. Correct. And he like burns her. It's two to one. Exactly. And he burns her. And then later when they're Selena and Bruce, they're making out on this couch and they're I'm not doing allowed. Foley. Yeah, yeah. And they're not <laughs> allowed. <laughs> and they're not he's like, Wow, you're you're meowing like cow. And he's like What sounds do Bat make? Yeah, it's like uh, flapping events. I am the knight. <laughs> So there's wing flapping. We're actually making out, and I'm Catwoman and George is Batman. I like the idea of like, what does it sound like when a cat fucks a bat? Out of the out of those two, talk about animal odd couples, and they 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 both touch one another where they're both wounded, but they hide it from each other because they don't want to obviously reveal that they're hurt. And it's like a very interesting moment because, again, it plays on this kind of psychosexual dynamic, but also, again, this idea that they're always, to some degree, wearing some kind of mask. Yes, and I think that that's something that the film explores well. There's also something that happens in both films to speak to that, which is in the first film, the Joker says to Bat... I should say that Jack Napier, the Joker, says to Bruce Wayne, you ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? Which is what Jack Napier, the younger, when he is younger says to a young Bruce Wayne after murdering his parents. In this film, Catwoman and Batman are under the mistletoe. And Cat, well, Matt, Cat, yeah. Batman says something about a kiss under the mistletoe can be... Or if you eat mistletoe, it can be poisonous or, da- or dangerous. No, it's not eating yeah. mistletoe. Oh, I hear mistletoe can be dangerous. And she says, oh, but a kiss under mistletoe can be just as dangerous yeah. or something. And then they rev- as, as... And then she sexily Bruce, licks his face. Yeah, she licks his face. As... um. As Bruce Wayne and Selena Kyle, they say the inverse to one another, and they realize that they're Batman and Catwoman. Yeah, which is the way that um, the guy in the uh, Adam uh, Adam West says Catwoman, Catwoman? in the nineteen sixty six. Some days oh, you just yeah. can't get rid of a bomb. And how there were three Catwomen, right? Yeah. I think what's also interesting about the mask trope, which the film doesn't lean into as much as it that's should. my least favorite batman movie the mask trope because it trope. felt like they were just yeah. they gave up at that batman, point the mask trope it's really meta He's batman talk, we're doing this again he just keeps wearing these masks and saying we're like do this one again is this is this right does this fit me is this me uh, yeah. I, it looks it looks like me but it doesn't feel like me mm, do i look weird and like, mm, very good sir very good sir very mr good. wayne i'm wondering if it was fuck what alfred do you think he voted remain or leave definitely fucking leave no. Come on, Alfred. No. He's a he's, fucking baller. Yeah, but he's not into... Holy shit. Now I want to read. I'm going to write a novel like Remains of the Day, but through the perspective of Alfred. There is a Pennyworth show on TV now, which is about the Pennyworth family. No, but I want to do... My point Ishiguru's is, he's completely turned off by Penguin's, by Penguin's weird... Like, to, I have these fucking dreams. I'm sharing them with you. I'm sharing them with Keith. I'm sharing them with Kevin. And every time I mention my dreams, she's just like, I don't want to fucking hear it. I don't want to hear it. 
I don't want to hear it. I wrote all those letters to JJ and I was like, dude, you got to bring back Palpatine. It's going to be great. And look what happened. It happened. And my dreams came true. And it's amazing. And now you want to shit on those dreams And you too? love that movie so much. I fucking love that movie. So good. Fucking, 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 um, fucking I think, movie so are, we, are we done with, with our Batman talk? Because it no. seems like this is going off the rails. No, I'm just getting started. Oh, cool. What else do you have to say? I'm going to take another sip of this bourbon. What else do I have to say? No, that the... Yeah, I think that the, the idea of the masks, again, is interesting because... It suggests, or it's just a really kind of, I think, deep-seated and interesting thing about like sexuality in general, and that is that there always has to be this kind of element, this like enigmatic element mm. to make something psychosexual like happen, or like sexuality even perhaps happen. So that the mask is like this kind of again trope, the mask trope. That's why we got the real the mask trope as th- this really powerful metaphor for sexuality. Uh, it works well in the film, and I think they could have leaned in, t- in a, a little bit more. I think that could be true. Do you remember seeing this film? No, actually, I don't. You don't? I definitely saw it in the theater, but I don't remember seeing it like I remember seeing the first one. I saw this film the day it opened. Whoa. It w- came out in May you of 1992. Uh, I was nine-ish, and I remember seeing it because... Uh, it was the, my last day of school. We had a half day, and myself and my sister Leslie, and my kind of cousins—hard to explain—the uh, Fahees went and saw it, and we all thought it was the best movie we'd ever seen in our lives. I think this might be the best Batman movie of all time. Mm, I would obviously want to see the other ones yes. before I pass judgment. Because I love the Nolan night, films. Dark fucking night. You've seen it once. How much no, did no, you no, care no. about? Batman Begins, I saw one. Oh, wait, oh. sorry. Did you see? Oh, no. D- dark Knight, I've seen at least twice. Okay. I think, uh, sorry, I I misspoke. You wanted to be right. I misspoke. When you tracked, you were wrong. Batman Begins, I've only seen once. Oh, okay. I've seen that. I saw that in the theater a couple times. Yeah. I, I love Batman, baby. This film is really good. It's great. It's great. And it is better than the first one. And it is kind of a vision. And I think that that's great. Um, and I also think that, again, the combination of different animation and production design and stuff just makes the film pop, 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 pop. And those cute little penguins launching those rockets. It's just weird that he has sex with them. I know, I know. I was I was the, the writer's cut. Uh, very quick thing before we finish. Favorite line in the entire film? I was their number one son, but they treated me like number two. <laughs> It's a great line. It's a great line. And it's I, a great movie. I love the I love it at the end when the penguin goes full um, elephant man, where he's like, "I'm no longer a human being. I am an, an animal. I am an animal. Cold blooded." Uh, one he is. Yeah. He's fucking cold blooded. One cannot underestimate how great Danny DeVito is in this film. Correct. And with that, I'm Liam Billingham. I'm George Fragopoulos. And this was Oof Rabasta. Oof Rabasta.